Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. Yep, this is the DL Link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination on 101.9 High FM. So Nikki Seberini here and with you for the next hour. And we really have quite a delicious show lined up. And I say delicious because... Our guest is absolutely no stranger to the show. He's joined us on a number of occasions. And I have to say that each and every time Ryan Stramrud joins us, he inspires us because of his stories, because of his achievements. And because through it all, he turns around and says, listen, I'm no different from any of you. I'm just like you. I've just chosen to do pretty impressive stuff. I push past impossible and... Um, I push myself as far as I possibly can. And I, for one, find that incredibly inspiring, especially going through what we're going through. So, Ryan, welcome. It is so fantastic to have you back on the show. Well, thank you so much. It's absolute pleasure to be back, Nikki. So, Ryan, you are a multiple Guinness World Record holder. You're one of the top 50 extreme swimming athletes in the world. You're an international inspirational speaker and now an author. You finally released your book, right? Push Past Impossible. Wow, that's incredible. What, what was this process like, um, writing your story? Amazing process. <laughs> you know, it's one of the positive things that have come out of COVID for me. Obviously, being, being an inspirational speaker when it hit and the world shut down, um, everything closed down very much for me, like overnight. And once I had done the initial spinning that everybody else would have done as well, I actually had to sit back and go like, well, what, what, how can I use this dead time effectively? And one of the things was I actually gave me that final time and that push to sit down and start writing this book. And it was an amazing process. I've learned so much along the way. And when I say amazing, some of it very tiring, some of it very emotionally taxing. But some of it quite exciting, you know, you, you don't, it's only when you really take your life and you try and put it down into a, a book that you realize, you know, you, you start timelining things and seeing, oh, actually, hang on, I've done quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was planning to, to get a lot further in this book, to be honest, but we, we got to basically what I'd achieved up to 2014. And we, we decided we're going to have to do another book, but it's just too much. <laughs> I, I can I can see that the second book will definitely be hot on the heels of this first one. But listen, we've got this show to unpack it because I've so enjoyed your book, Ryan. I love your humor and I love how, you know, you can be very critical of yourself and very honest um, about the real struggles that you endured. And all through the way, you know, this human side coming through and in such an inspiring way. So Let's investigate push past impossible because one of the things I found interesting is how you go back and, and I think this is what I really love is you keep saying listen, you know, I'm just a normal ordinary guy I grew up in a family with a loving family a very supportive family I went to the school this is what I participated in these were my strong points. But there's one there's one moment in the book when you say it's when you're about to take part in in some swimming race and I think your mom Mom took you aside and showed you some of the trophies and you had a good look at the trophies and you said it's not that 
It's not that you were, you know, she was pressurizing you, but rather she was just showing you kind of possibility. And, and you looked at those and you made a decision. You said it was the first time you had, you, you realized that you were able to change your mindset and you, the decision was, oh, I'm going to win this race. And you did. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and you've just said, you know, writing a book, you're now going back and thinking about these things. Did you realize how pivotal it was? Or is it now only going through the years and looking for these kind of signs? Nikki, very much, um, you know, certainly at the time didn't mean a lot, but it's always stuck at the back of my head. Um, yeah. It's been quite a pivotal moment. And I certainly didn't, it didn't change my life at all, but it just changed a little tiny piece of my view of me. I've never been extremely driven. I must win. I'm not hugely competitive. I'm just the average Joe plodding along. And yeah, at the swimming meet, I used to run these little galas. I was very young. My mom said, look at that cup. If you win that race, you're going to bring that home. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, then I'm going to win. <laughs> and uh, I, I went and, and swam as hard as I possibly could and, and I won it. And it was, yeah, as you say, I put my mind to it and I achieved it where I probably, if I didn't, if my mom didn't do that little moment, um, I probably wouldn't have. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm focusing on it because really that's what your book is all about. This Correct. pushing past the impossible. When you think you've hit the wall, when you think you can't go any further, you're saying in this book, and we're going to go there, that you can and that it's pushing past that point. So mindset is so important. So so to be able to, at that age, register, oh, you know, if I, if I change the way I approach this, then things can perhaps be different. Because I... I you know, maybe I'm wrong, and you would certainly know with all of your experiences. I wonder how many of us actually, if it's not even the physical pushing, but actually ask ourselves, you know, maybe I, maybe I actually can do this. Maybe, maybe it is possible. So you, Ryan, I mean, you went to varsity and you studied, and then I know that you worked in your dad's um, advertising agency, and you started doing incredibly well. But you really have said that in your late 20s, you were a couch potato. We've discussed that before. And then you decided to yes. do something and you started swimming. And the first really big step you took was um, to undertake the swim to Robin Island. And that was a turning point for you. I have, whenever I, I read uh, about you and whenever I interview you, I always have to ask you this question because I love the sea and I love swimming, but I'm so terrified of what's you know, lurking beneath the surface, that very first swim run, how did you overcome just that, just the knowledge <laughs> that you don't know what's under there? Well, that was, you know, going into that, that was a huge consideration because you, you, you literally, you know, talking about the Robin Island, you, you're going to be, it was the first time in real deep ocean for me, looking down as you must when, you, when you're swimming freestyle into the abyss and, you know, with, with everyone who puts stuff in your head as well and the stuff that's already in your head, because you know what's, you know, if you don't see it, you know it's seeing you. But I found, uh, Nikki, since then, that the least of your worries are, are the things that swim with, with big tails and teeth and more the things that sting you. <laughs> yeah. They are way more in abundance and way more, uh, have, have ended way more swims than any shark ever would, because that's what everybody wants to hear. But it is part of this swimming challenge and it is very part of my journey. Because I can sit here now 20 years into this and still say I am as nervous as I was on my first swim now than I was back then in, in terms of when I get in the water. It's just how I process it that is a lot different and how I, mm. I package it and compartmentalize it um, and, and where I place it as part of the challenge. 
Oh, I love that. Okay, on that note, we're going to take a break. And I want to look at what you've just said, how you process it and processing it and packaging it differently. Quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I have Ryan Stramrud on the show today. He's just written Push Past Impossible and so inspiring. I mean, Ryan has already completed 120 Robben Island to mainland crossings. He has swum solo across the notorious English Channel um, with a team of South Africans. He swam the first official ice mile, and that was in one degree water in Antarctica. Um, he's completed a swim in the, I'm not sure if I pronounce this correctly, Jokul Saarland Glacier Lagoon in Iceland, he, and more, more. I mean, they're just so many many stories many races many swims not races but the swims and he's yeah he's on the show today just to tell us about his book and and share some of his uh, extraordinary stories with us Ryan you know again I'm going to go back to this because our listeners you know when you see someone achieve what you have achieved you kind of put them on a pedestal and go well there must be something extraordinary there must be something you have that I don't have that you can do all of this um and, and, you know, you said time and time again that it's just me and I'm just like you and I just made my mind yeah. up. And, and just before the break, you said that you, you still deal with the same fears and you still, you know, have that, you know, the, the idea of what you have to achieve and it can set you back. But you, you now process it differently and you package it differently. So what you're saying yeah. is the way you process and package things is so important when you embarking on anything in life. Maybe you can just unpack that a little bit for us. With, with pleasure. And, and uh, Nikki, just to go back, I am absolutely the quintessential average Joe. I have no clever special ability to self-heat my center core and survive any of the- Come on, Ryan. The, come on. Come <laughs> no, on. No, <laughs> I, I refuse. Um, it's, it's important. And anyone who, who listens to my keynote, which I'm, I'm very blessed to be doing around the world again, that comes to very strong. You know, as you mentioned, at the age of 28, 29, I was a couch potato. I could not have written one page of my book. And it's just a decision I made back then, which, which we can discuss later, maybe that sent me on this journey. Um, and I have learned so much, firstly, about the human mind um, in general, but also about myself. And when you start to become aware of how this, this very powerful tool of ours, the human mind is actually working, and you realize that it's not always pushing us forward in times that are hostile or uncomfortable, but rather doing exact opposite, driving us to safety, to the comfort zone, essentially. Mm. Do you start to, to realize, hang on, now I'm aware of it. And it's not only impacting Ryan walking into cold water or into a scary ocean. It's also impacting me in business and in life. And those are the messages I share that are, are highly relatable. In terms of the of, of the packaging it you know everyone's the first question again totally understandably is like are you scared of sharks now let me tell you a, a cold water swimmer the first thing you're scared of is the cold because the cold <laughs> is is absolutely brutal and as yeah. humans haven't evolved well to handle it we've only evolved well to get out so sure. you want to extend your time in that you, you know you've got to um you, you've got to process it differently 
Then you worry about obviously all the training to get you to the start of the swim. Then you worry about the distance you're taking on, uh, which is usually quite brutal. You worry about getting the right team available to help you. You worry about the nutrition. Have you Are you putting the right stuff in to get you to the other side of the swim? You worry about exhaustion. And then right at the very, very end, you worry about all the things that sting you. And then you worry about the things that might eat you. So <laughs> where it's compartmentalized in my life is very far down the, 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 um, the food chain chain so to speak and i use that horrible pun um but obviously also you know in which body i recently swam across false bay 34 kilometers across and no one had done it for about seven odd years and you know the, the reasons for that and they're not all because of the sharks but some of them are and it's a very daunting swim um, and that you know then then things that eat you get pushed a little further up the cart the compartmentalization process but i literally sit down and I, I have a session with myself and that's something that i promote quite a lot is is self sessions because we go through life and we know we got these worries and we know we got these anguishes and we know we got these challenges but so few of us will ever actually sit down and do a self session and, and actually talk to yourself put a, put aside 5 minutes 10 minutes half an hour and actually have a conversation in your head about yourself and about that problem um, and the more and, and you know what best best thing to ever do is to actually close your door so you're not embarrassed and talk it out loudly but as soon as you hear the words coming out of your mouth you process them differently and you come up with answers yourself so i've got a little mm. off piece now so i'll stop it there nikki but uh, that's my no answer. no 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 i like the idea of the self-session ryan and i'd like to maybe delve in a little bit more i mean the saying it out loud is great um because i was going to say to you sometimes a self-session can go into a kind of derailing oneself right like you can Correct. really talk yourself out of a situation and um, more into a panicked state so how do you ensure that the self-session is one that is productive and that you come out feeling more motivated and more clear about where you're going well listen that that's a very valid question because it can go both ways and, and uh, i suppose the, the people that i'm working with more and more at the moment um, I steer them in the positive direction and yeah. uh, we, we talk about what you're capable of and I share a lot of my personal journey I mean and, and again we're going back to this I'm no different to you whether you want to believe it or not I have the same fears that everybody else has um, I have the same um, something that came up yesterday quite loudly was the imposter syndrome you know yes. someone that I'm dealing with you you, you don't feel like you, you're equipped to handle that level of problem but yet here you are and everybody's looking up to you to get it done and you, you don't feel that you, you're equipped. Now, I have that that often. Um, I sit in, in, in rooms with the other day, 28 top corporate leaders all looking to me for advice. You know, and I've never run a business in my life. And I, I felt that that imposter syndrome a, a little bit. But then I have a self session and I talk myself and I say, right, what, what have you achieved that they haven't that they can relate to? What messages could they never have learned? that you have been able to learn from your swimmings and expeditions and, and, and places you've put yourself and boundaries you've pushed and just convert those into the lessons and share them in a, in a very genuine way because people then start drawing their own parallels to their own lives. I can't tell you how to do your job A, B or C, do it step one, two and three and you're doing it better, but I can share a certain thought process and a mindset with you and how to reach that mindset that steers you towards wanting to step over the line out of comfort and into discomfort where you're no longer scared of failure. It becomes part of your process. We've all heard that, that you must fail and failure is part of the process, but it's extremely hard to do in real life. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's a process as well. There's no magic wand, by the way, Nikki. You can't just 
swipe a wand or there's no, no words that I can say to you that's going to make you not fear failure. But fearing failure and failing forward are two different things. Hmm. Ryan, we're going to take another break because, I mean, there's been lots of failure. You know, it hasn't just been success after success, but it's what you've done with that, you know, when things haven't gone your way. So uh, let's take a break and, and we'll return. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to the DR Link Show. I have Ryan Stramrud um, on the show today. He's just written Push Past Impossible. And we've been talking about the incredible achievements, um, the, the swims, just the breaking of records. And, um, and Ryan is always so humble. Um, as he says, I'm not a professional athlete by any stretch of the imagination, nor am I superhuman. My body doesn't have any special abilities. My story isn't about winning or losing or success or failure it's a story about pushing beyond my own perceived limitations about learning you can do it too if you really want to so and this is all packed into this really incredibly inspiring and beautifully told um, book um, and story push past impossible so ryan um yeah, as I said to you, you know, failures along the way, and for you again, and you do stress this a lot, it's about the lessons, the lessons, the lessons. So, I mean, there have been swims that you've attempted that just simply haven't gone your way and you've had to abort them, but there have been lessons. Maybe you can just speak to that. Indeed, yeah. Um, and firstly, that was a lovely summary of my book. So thank you for that, uh, Nikki, <laughs> and thanks for, for reading it. You certainly have not all been successes along the way. Um, in, in fact, I'm wondering if I should give away the, the title. In fact, I already have given away the title of my next book because what this book shows is me going pretty much, you know, through life being a couch potato and taking the first steps from comfort and realizing, hang on, I didn't think I could do that. Let's try something else and, and taking me all the way up to becoming a three-time Guinness World Record holder. But what it doesn't talk a lot about, it does mention, I know, through, through the kind of narrative, but what it doesn't talk a lot about is when I have mismanaged failure on, on a grand scale. And um, that is very, very real. And, and some of the most powerful lessons that I share today as well, and that is kind of under the failing forward banner. Because when you become a person who sets goals only within their comfort zone, they might look like difficult goals to the outsider, but you kind of know you can achieve them. If you do A, B, or C, you will achieve that goal. And then you set another goal in your comfort zone and you achieve it and you achieve the next one, the next one. So, so what starts happening is you have success after success after success. And as great as that is, no one must ever set out to fail, obviously, but you also become the person who doesn't have the privilege of learning from failure. And the lessons you learn from failure are a lot deeper and a lot more real than just from success after success after success. Obviously, there are lessons from success, and I'm not knocking success at all. Yeah. I've had way more success, thankfully, than failure. But the deep lessons I've learned have come from some of my mishaps. You know, just one, if, if you'd like me to give you one example. Please. Yeah, you know, I tried to become the first guy in the world to swim from um, Russia to the USA solo. And that it's, it's quite a fascinating story. And that is, um, you know, you swim across the international dateline 
Um, so the one little island that you're trying to swim from, which lives in Russian water, is actually like 23 hours away from the, from the other one that's only uh, 3.8 kilometers apart. The water is very cold. It's, it's an extremely daunting task to undertake. I had to fly from Cape Town to Joburg, Joburg to London, London to New York, New York to Anchorage, Anchorage to Nome, Nome to Gosh. Prince of Wales. And then I got on a little boat and took me to the island that I was going to try to swim from. So Jesus. just the journey to get there is, is a is a book on its own to be honest and I had put everything in place and months of training and, and preparation for this and when we arrived there it was so daunting and so out of comfort and I lost the backing of the team I had put together to to, to take me there so I was traveling with some other guys who, uh, who amazing guys who had a slightly separate mission to me, but we kind of teamed up. And when we got there, we didn't, we, we never got permission to go into the Russian waters. So swimming from the USA into, into Russia illegally was not a very good idea. But I no, not at I'm, all. And, and, I've, and, and where I wanted to end my swim was actually a Russian military base. Um, and then it's very, you know, it's a very sensitive area, although it's obviously more sensitive now, but uh, in those days it wasn't as. And where I'm going with this story is I know that if you're going to set world records and you're going to achieve things that no one else has achieved, no male, by the way, let me just clarify that Lynn Cox had done this before, but I wanted to be the first male. You want to achieve those kind of things. You have to break the rules. You have to push the boundaries. You, there's absolutely no way the comfort zone comes along with you. It's got to be, be swept out. And uh, on that day, um, we, you know, the American team we had put together said, well, if you don't, we couldn't get the visas and permission to go into Russian waters. They refused to come with me, um, you know, across the border, which is just an imaginary line in the middle of the sea. They would they kind of stopped their boats. And uh, the water there was 3.2 degrees Celsius in my Speedo. You die quite quickly in that. So I really needed solid support. And, and in fact, I can go on forever. I can hear myself. So let me just nutshell it for you, is that I lost my nerve uh, in that moment. And I still did the swim and I still succeeded to a degree, but there are certain fundamentals if you want to claim a record. And that is I had to exit land in Russia and I had to swim back to the USA and exit land in the USA. And then I can claim that record. But because of the Russian issues, I decided just to start alongside the island and not actually access their land, just swim in their waters. Um, and then swim as fast as my arms could take me back to the American side. And I can't claim that record. And, and it's, it's, to, to me, it's a very big failure in, 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 because it was a headspace thing. Um, in retrospect, I should have just gone and climbed on those rocks and taken whatever uh, trouble came my way, um, because that's, that's, uh, that's how it works in, in that game at that level. Um, but I didn't. And it taught me so much. Yeah. And how do you process that, Ryan, when you've done something, when you look back and you regret, because we all can relate to that. Well, it's certainly not your story, but we can all look back and go, oh, I should have done this or I could have done this. How, how did you how did you process that only to move forward and really achieve so much more? Well, I processed that quite slowly at first, you know, because there's the, 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 the huge irritation with myself and yeah. you know, the chances of ever getting back there, it's so expensive and so difficult and so far away are, are very slim. And it was a huge bucket list item that now I can't tick off. So I'm, I'm, I'm irritated. How did I process it and use it? I've used it extremely constructively. And that is just to, to, to toughen up 
toughen, and I'm talking about my, my headspace, you're going to get barriers and red tape and mountains and, and things put in front of you. You're going to hit the brick wall. And if you're not brave enough to figure out a way over or around or directly through that brick wall, you, you are, you, you're going to turn back and go to comfort. That's how it ends. So, so I learned that and, and um, I've used that going forward. But then there's another key failure which rocked me way more, which took me a lot longer to process. And that was um, when I tried to swim from Ireland to Scotland and it became a medical issue. And I, I pretty much very nearly drowned and spent some nights in the hospital bringing me, bringing, draining my lungs and all that kind of fun stuff. And that rattled me deeply. Um, so that the, the processing of that, and, and Nikki, just to, to directly answer your question, the processing of that was done wrong by me. And that's why I now feel I have a small pedestal to, to, to preach because I finally yeah. got it right. And I simply did not take account accountability for that failure. Yeah. I wasn't vulnerable enough or introspective enough to actually look at whose fault that was because there were so many other things to blame. There were so many other people who played a role and other elements outside of my control that played a role that I wrote it off all off to that. And it did me no favors because failure without the learnings and the deep introspection is simply failure. And it's mm -hmm. failure that's going to repeat itself. And it's the bad kind of failure. But if you're brave enough, and this does take bravery, especially within a corporate environment, by the way, because there's so many hiding places and carpets to sweep stuff out and fingers to point at other people. If, if you don't do that yourself, you're not going to learn the necessary lessons that that failure is positioned to teach you. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I suppose that's where a self-session would come in and being brave enough to to sit with it, to face it and to say, what, what have I learned from it? But you've, you know, as you've said, you've had enough opportunity to face that and, and just people listening. I mean, we all know what it's like to, to have that. And when things haven't gone the way we want them to, um, and we can, you've talked about corporate, it could be in a relationship, right? It could be something that you've said, something that you've done. And I suppose the, the ability to learn from that, to shift from that, wow, it takes, it takes a tremendous amount to be able to do that. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's something else that we need to write down. But, you know, Ryan, again, people who are listening and, and getting so much out of what you're sharing, there is a part in the book when you, you talk about a pivotal moment because you've spoken about a comfort zone. You've said, you know, it's great to have these goals and these achievements within the comfort zone. But if you really want to achieve extraordinary, push beyond that, be prepared to make the mistake, be prepared to learn yes. from the mistake. So it sometimes does take a pivotal moment. Sometimes it takes, you know, it's that, it's that leap of faith or it's the suggestion and then going, yes, I'm going to act on that suggestion. And for you in the book, you talk about this pivotal moment that showed up for you in, in the form of an email. This was right at the beginning. I think you just finished the the first swim and um, robin island and you've got you this funny email popped up and it was yes. about a, a group attempting to swim from taiwan to china and you say here i could have ignored it as i had many others how often yeah. we find that a simple decision the smallest of changes just one tiny shift in the daily grind or routine and a modest step away from comfort can kickstart a change in the course of one's life and initiate something radical. And I think that's really important. I really want to focus on that because otherwise we're just 
observing our lives, right? Um, yeah. how, how do we know? I mean, you don't know, Ryan, and you certainly can't be the one to tell us how we will know. But is it is it, you know, when opportunity knocks, do we open every door? I mean, what do you have to say about that? It's yeah, absolutely. It's a tricky, it's it is tricky, Nikki. There's no um, there's no you know golden rule. But it's it's funny, I gave a, a talk to a group of, of swimmers the other day, and I, my book had just come out, so I was holding the first uh, copies in my hand after a long process. And uh, I knew I had to give a talk to them after the swim that we were doing, so I had a like, half an hour of swimming to figure out what I was going to say. And it dawned on me there and then that not, you, you know, we, we all we all have goals. And from early adulthood, we are presented with these goals, but they are usually we presented with the need to set goals. And those goals are usually financial because you don't want to get caught short. You don't want to uh, run out of money. You want a roof over your heads. You must plan for medical. You must plan for retirement. You must plan for kids. You must plan all of this. And that is obviously so important. And I'm not knocking it in any way for your listeners. So please don't know. I think I'm, I'm advocating against that. The problem is that these goals become all-consuming. And we say, right, we want to retire at the age of 60. And essentially what happens, we, although we might have bright ideas, but we, we, we end up morphing into these beings that are just working to start living our lives, the lives we fantasize about at the age of 60 or 65 or whenever you set your retirement age. And along the way, stuff happens. And then all of a sudden, 65, 60 needs to shift to 65 because you're not quite there and COVID hit you and all of this stuff. And I was holding my book and it, it kind of dawned on me that not one of the chapters in my book, not one of the stories made any kind of financial sense or followed any kind of plan that I did have in place at the time. Saying no to the opportunities, that Taiwan opportunity would have been the right thing to do. It was not made no sense to say, yes, let me uh, let me uh, open this email and, and investigate it further. Yet, how, I might have a bigger bank balance, but I would be so much poorer if I didn't open that email just to go back to that and, and, and respond to it. So I suppose you all have to figure it out yourselves. You've got to find those mm -hmm. little moments. It's, you know, every now and then be irresponsible. Let's put it this way. Do the responsible stuff, have your foundation, but sometime in your life, find that intriguing thing that you, it's not part of the plan. It's not going to send you in the direction that, you, that you're going at the moment to, to reach wherever you want to go, whatever your goal is. It might take you a little left of center. It might take you completely in the opposite direction, but there's something that intrigues you as a human. And instead of brushing that aside, investigate it, take it a little bit further. So I, again, I hope that does make sense. And just for, for your listeners' sake, you know, the, I was—I'd never done anything clever or, or anything like this. And I was sitting in my office. I'm an advertising salesman, and uh, that's what I was doing. And this email plonked into uh, my my um, inbox, and it was the subject line had swimming in it. So I kind of thought, oh, I've just started swimming. Let's have a look. And it was this um, expedition trying to swim from Taiwan to China. And uh, I literally thought, well, I'd like to follow that. So I answered the email. I just sent a reply. I didn't know to who. And just said, please, if there's an email list uh, that's followed, tracking the swim, I'd like to stay abreast. And uh, five minutes later, I got a call from, uh, from Taiwan to say, well, please come and join the expedition. And that was as ludicrous to me as it probably sounds to you. 
Yet through a series of events, 10 days later, I ended up in Taiwan and part of that team. And that's played a very pivotal role in, in my trajectory. But it was it was the wrong decision for my plan, but it was the right decision um, in, in terms of setting me on a course that has just been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. That email, that decision and everything changed for you. And as you've seen and as you've explained, you know, from all the races, um, taking part in all the, I keep saying races, in all the swims and then the experience, the lessons, the letdowns, the growths, putting it into amazing talks, going around the world, writing a book. I mean, literally changing your life. So we're going to take a break because it's kind of, you know, it's kind of finding the balance between following your heart, following your head. And I would be more specific in saying listening to a gut. And I think that perhaps, you know, listening to your gut has also, again, played a, a huge role in being able to do what you've done. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about that, Ryan. So let's take a break and um, we'll we'll talk about listening to one's gut after the break. IFM 100 101.9 megahertz of life. And you're listening to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Ryan Stramrud is our guest today. He's a multiple Guinness World Record holder, one of the top 50 extreme swimming athletes in the world. He's a sought-after international inspirational speaker. And now he is an author. And Ryan has really put pen to paper and shared extraordinary stories of his extraordinary ventures, swims around the world, breaking of records. Um, and so really is a, a joy to have Ryan on the show today. Ryan, just before the break, I spoke about, you know, you spent quite a bit of time talking about there could be pivotal moments in your life that we can choose to live the ordinary safe life where we're planning and we're waiting for this future that may never ever come in order to do the things we want to do, or we can be brave and we can take this steps we can open doors we can move in and and again people listening are like okay I'm, I'm feeling it I, I, I want to do something extraordinary just briefly this this head heart this listening to one's gut what kind of role has that played in in your ventures and and your experience I think it's played quite a lot, um, you know, gut feeling. But but I also want to emphasize to your listeners, I'm I'm not a cowboy who just you know gets an email and off I go to Taiwan. I hope that didn't come across <laughs> that way. You know, I'm, I ha I have a child and uh, I'm quite a responsible human, and and that's I was a very responsible human till the age of thirty, and then I realized that just being absolutely responsible all my life is only going to get me so far, and mm -hmm. and that so far is enough for for many people. But it's actually, Nikki, I always talk about these two lines and maybe I can, you know, it's, it's easier when you've got a visual, but let me just try to describe it. You get, I always talk about two lines. You have the one line, picture it on your left. That is the line that your mind tells you it's time to turn around and go back to comfort. Mm -hmm. okay? On the other side um, of the spectrum is another line, which is what I call the real endpoint. So where danger starts, okay, or where, where it's not clever to exceed, all right? And it's the magic that happens between those two lines is, is what counts, okay? But it's very scary to get into the, in between those lines because that's A, where the magic happens, but it's also where failure happens, okay? And, and, and just by default, that's where your growth happens. You can't, if you don't get outside your comfort zone, you cannot learn new stuff about yourself, 
Okay. And if you're not learning new stuff about yourself, you're not growing and you will then get overtaken by those who are growing. So I advocate very strongly to get into that uncomfortable zone, but I've also made an international speaking career being the guy who goes around saying, I don't say that anything you put your mind to is is possible. I'm not that guy. I believe mm-hmm. there is an end point. Mm-hmm. There is a place where, you know, you probably can't achieve. But the important message and hopefully the far more relatable message to everybody is that where your mind tells you to turn around or where where you feel the need and the urge and maybe the subconscious decision to do a U-turn back to comfort or not go any further, that's not the end point. That is your defense mechanism that's highly evolved over hundreds of thousands of years to make sure you don't fail. Because failure comes with humiliation and consequences and, you know, and those things are very, very real and, and we, we, we don't want them. And so we, we naturally divert back to comfort. But if you're brave enough to step over that line and you're aware of what's happening in your head and, um, you know, you kind of believe it's relevant to you, that is where it happens. Now, does that speak to, to gut feeling? Because the only way you can get over that line is by being brave and you need to decide when being brave is not being stupid. And that's yeah. a very fine line. Of course, if I had killed myself in one of these challenges or in Taiwan or whatever happens, which, which is not out of the question, of course, you know, everyone would have just gone, well, that was dumb. But because I'm not a stupid human and I have a family who I love and uh, I don't want to die, I put uh, things in place to make sure that I don't and push limits uh, to, to a certain degree. And yes, maybe I've pushed a lot further than anybody ever should. Um, but, but, you know, that's been a, it's been a journey. I didn't wake up one morning and go, wow, I'm going to Antarctica to see if I can handle minus one degree Celsius water and swim the furthest that anybody ever has. It's a slow journey and bite-sized chunks. So maybe just talking about gut feeling, yes, rely on gut, find something that intrigues you that you think, well, maybe my gut feeling is that if I did that and it was successful, wow, I would love to be that person who's already done it. That must be so cool for them. And, there's, and then start believing that there's absolutely nothing stopping you from being that person. I don't try to get anyone to swim in cold water or, or do what I've done. N- not at all. So that's not where I'm going with this. But we are so, and why I emphasize this average Joe thing, A, because it's true, and B, because we are so quick to pedestal people. I used to do it and still do it, I suppose, but I pedestal people, you know, I used to sit in these sales conferences and listen to these inspirational speakers, adventurers who had rode here and done this and cycled around the country and whatever, and, and been in awe at their stories, but not for a second relating to them thinking, well, I could do that if I really wanted to. And, and you know, it was actually my, my sister who became my manager who elbowed me to say, Ryan, you know, what you're doing in your swimming, you can tell the story and become a speaker too. And it's, it's just been a, it's, it's been a, a fascinating journey of, of realism, but pushing my own boundaries. Mm, yeah. And um, I mean, hence the title, push past impossible, right? Between those yeah. two lines. And, and so knowing and knowing where that's, that, that other line is and, and knowing when you're in trouble or you've, you've gone too far. So, I mean, you've, you've faced that a number of times, really. Um, and as you say, when you were swimming between Ireland and Scotland, you said you nearly drowned. I mean, you know, knowing how, how far can one possibly push oneself. But I just want to mention, because you, you actually dedicate quite a, a lot of the book to this 
English Channel swim. This um, wow! Yes. I mean, is it like it's like between thirty six to forty kilometers that you land up swimming? Um, and I know that you did it in just under twelve hours. And I, yes. while I was reading it, I was I was thinking about twelve hours, right? I was thinking like seven o'clock in the morning and all the things that I do during the day until seven o'clock in the evening. And that entire time, you're in freezing cold water. You're up against the elements and you're swimming and you're swimming and you're swimming. And it's just, it really, it, it just blew my mind. I mean, the, the, the strength, the physical and the mental strength that that requires is, is tremendous um, because, you know, you, 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 you hit a point, you said, when you hit the wall, maybe you can just speak to that, Ryan. Yes. Well, okay. Firstly, um, you've, you've given me a better time than I did. I did it in just short of 13 hours. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you know, it was a absolutely yes, 12, wonderful. Uh, sorry, you're right. 12 hours, 45 minutes. Yes. Wow. 54. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so it was a pivotal, it was, that was my first big, big marathon sort of globally recognized swim. And, and I think, what I'll talk about hitting the wall in a second, but what, what is important, the lesson that why I spend so much time in my book on that is because up until that point, when you're training for these swims, the most I had ever swum was 20 kilometers at that time. And that was in a swimming pool doing laps in a very, very confined, comfortable environment, as horrible as it is doing 20 kilometers of pool laps. Um, and when I finished those 20 kilometers, I was absolutely broken. Okay, and your body and your mind cannot compute the fact that that would only really get you to the halfway mark in the English Channel. Yeah. So, could I start that session again and swim another twenty k's? Just, just for clarity, anyone who's trying to point it out, thirty-four kilometers is as the crow flies on my English Channel day, due to drifts and vectors and all kinds of stuff that that comes into play. I swam forty-one kilometers of self-propulsion, not not drift. Um. So we'll, let's just work on a round figure of forty k's. Um, you cannot compute going into the English Channel and walking in. There was no way that I could compute swimming past the 20K mark because that's as far as I had got without breaking. Yet when I reached the 20K mark, I still swam and succeeded the English Channel. So I swam another 20Ks. And that was the pivotal moment, what I call flicking the switch. And that was changing gear from body to mind. And that's where the hitting the wall part comes in. You know, there, there's a part in the channel, which happens to, I'd say, probably 95% of the swimmers, that you are going to run the tank dry. You can only store so many carbohydrates and you can only feed so much or take so much liquid in while you are swimming. But your depletion in that cold water and the energy that you're exerting to keep yourself moving in rough English channel waters, you burn more calories than you can put in. So at some stage, generally, you are going to have an empty tank. The body says no, the muscles are, are finished, and uh, you then have to um, get, either pull out and say, well, I, I didn't make it, or you, you, what I call flick a switch, and I change from, from uh, my body to mind and somehow swam for, at that point, I had another probably four and a half hours of swimming sure. to go in, in horribly rough water. Um, sure. And um, yeah, so, so that was again what has and i've done a lot since then but that was that's what positioned me really nicely to say wow i am capable of so much more than i believe i'm capable of 
Mm. And I don't want this to sound like cheap inspirational talk. Everyone mm. listening is exactly the same. I went in not knowing, but when I was in that situation, I could either fail. Thankfully, I, I you know, I'm quite proud, and it, uh, I, I would have lost so much face with my buddies and everybody watching that um, I decided, well, I'll just do another few meters and get past the halfway, and then just another few meters, and you start breaking it up into to more bite-sized chunks, even smaller, and just go a little bit further, a little bit further. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but I mean, it took forever. Um, I found myself standing on a deserted French beach in the middle of the night, absolutely broken, but alive and well and happy and in, in amazement that some four or five hours later, I couldn't take one more stroke, yet I'd taken another 10,000 or whatever it was. Um, and, and, that, and you just relay that back into your everyday life. You know, how many times do you reach a point in business or in your life, whatever the case may be, where you can't go on, where this is the turning point, this is the end, you cannot hit that target, you cannot make another call, you can't, whatever the case may be. Um, and and I, that's where I argue very strongly, yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. Push, push past the impossible. Push Ryan, past wow, the impossible. what a story. Wow, just amazing. A break, <clears throat> we'll be back. Stay where you are. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, on the show today, I have uh, Ryan Stramrud, who has just written Push Past Impossible. And what a book. I mean, it really is. You know, Ryan goes into the stories, the preparation, um, what was going through his mind. And really, you kind of swimming with him. He explains it so incredibly. There's the swim between Taiwan and China. There's Robben Island. There's Gibraltar. There's Australia, English Channel, the Arctic Circle. There's just so much in this book. Um, and you really get into the mind of Ryan, what goes through his mind, um, how he's able to push past impossible. And that's why it's so inspiring, because really on this show, um, we have so many people who are they're on a on a very very difficult journey it's a it's a tough it's a tough journey um you know different kind of warriors ryan is the warrior in the water and ryan himself has come onto the show and he's had his uh, his cancer journey as well during um, lockdown. Um, so those of you listening, you, you're either on this journey or you've been on the journey or you know someone who's on the journey and you know what it is to feel like you've hit the wall, to feel like it's enough, to you know feel so weak and so depleted that you don't know if you can go on. And so reading a book like this with these kind of stories, it's just so incredibly inspiring. I have to say, you know, Ryan said, um, he, he realized after the English channel that he was capable of so much more than he ever thought. And sometimes we just need to remind ourselves when we really think we, we're at the end and this challenge is too great, the pain, the agony of it is too great, that, that there is more, as Ryan would say, there is more in the tank. You know, you just have to push past the impossible. Although we all have our different journeys and our different challenges. Ryan, you know, having you on the show today has been so fantastic. I want to thank you so much always for coming on, for being so generous of, with your time and with your stories. Um, where can people get the book? Um, and are you ever coming up to Joburg? Just give us a quick little background when yes, no, just before we say goodbye. 
or I'm backwards and forwards to Joburg usually for, for keynote talks. I'm not doing a, a, an official book launch in Joburg, although I'm getting more and more requests to do that. Um, but thank you so much for your interest, Nikki and, and Chai FM. It's, you, you guys always uh, show such interest, which I hugely appreciate. But anybody who wants a book, it's, it's available on Kindle and Amazon, and, and it should be in all the exclusive bookstores and all the reputed uh, books uh, uh, stores um, around uh, South Africa. Um, so you'll find a copy there. If you're in Cape Town, um, look me up on Instagram, Ryan underscore Stramrude, and drop me a, a DM and I will see if I can get you a copy. Um, I'm not very good. I'm a one-man show in terms of admin, but um, if you want a signed copy with a little note in it, uh, give me a shout on Ryan Amazing. underscore Stramrude. Amazing. You know, this is a Jewish radio station, Ryan, and there is a Yiddish term. And I think this Yiddish term would describe you perfectly. You, Ryan Stramrud, are Meshuggah. 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 <laughs> it's the That's best amazing. kind of great. It's the best kind of crazy you can be. Listen, just Meshuggah. so inspiring. Continue to do these wonderful things that you do. You're fabulous. Um, I hope lots of people get to read the book, Push Past Impossible. Great having you on the show, Ryan. Take care. God bless. Thank you so much. So there we have it, you know, I mean, wow, really, really inspiring. This man has done incredible things. My life seems so boring and so mundane in comparison. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do hope that you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Until next week, do take care. Goodbye.